What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Corey of the band The Main Squeeze over Zoom video. Corey talks about where he was born and raised. He grew up in Indiana and how he got into music, started off singing in the church. He talked about the first bands he was in, how he ended up meeting the rest of the guys in the main squeeze at college. He went to Indiana University. He talked about working with Randy Jackson, who produced one of their albums. And Corey talks all about the band's most recent album, which is called To Be Determined. You can watch the interview with Corey on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, we would love it if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with the main squeeze. Hey, Corey, what's up? Yo, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? Not too bad. Just, you know, another morning in L.A. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I appreciate you doing this. Thank yeah, you so man. much. No worries. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, I'm Adam, and this is about you and your journey in music. Oh, cool. Sweet. Uh, so, my journey, your journey, and the band's journey, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear about how you guys all met and uh, got this thing going. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah. So first off, where were you born and raised? I'm born and raised, uh, in Indi from Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay. Um, that was where I lived my whole life. <laughs> um, I <laughs> you went, went to, to school there. I, right? went to, like I went to school down in Bloomington, Indiana. Okay. Um, and that is where, uh, the band, uh, started at um, the five of us are from uh, different cities backgrounds mm -hmm. we all kind of ended up at IU on a whim um, Smiley our keyboard player um, was supposed to go to Tulane but Hur Hurricane Katrina uh, ruined that so wow. IU was his second choice um, and he went to camp with uh, Max our guitar player Mm -hmm. And Max came down to IU um, as a cello major. So random, like they knew each other. So, I mean, subsequently the band got started there, but uh, we all met on a whim. I met Smiley randomly in a bar. Um, I left, I was, I'm the eldest and I, um, I finished up school and started working for celebrity cruise lines for a little bit. Oh, um, wow. Were you doing yeah. like, were you singing on the cruise? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did that for a little bit and then I came back and uh, a friend's band was opening up for the main squeeze. And so I went to go see my friend's band open up and then the main squeeze went on and I was like, Oh shit, smiley. Like, what's up? Like, you know, you got a band going now kind of thing. Uh -huh. And, um, not too long after that, uh, I um, 
Well, when I got down to town after my cruise ship contract, I had a band previous. And so I booked a frat show basically on my own. So I had a show, but no band. And we ended up, um, I ended up talking to the lead singer at the time of the main squeeze, our buddy Kevin, and he was leaving to go teach English as a second language. And he was like, you should talk to Smiley about, you know, singing for the band. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I got some stuff going on. I do got this gig, but like, I was planning on moving to Chicago at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ended up kind of, you know, chatting and I had a rehearsal and it was kind of like, whoa, this, you know, this could be something special. So just kind of ended up sticking around. And actually, that gig that I booked, the squeeze didn't play it. I basically had to find some other people because it was actually Smiley's birthday. I'll never forget. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. He was like a senior at the time. So, you know, like he had plans to go out for his birthday and was like, no, I'd love to do the gig, but can't, you know, Sorry. <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, we started from there, man. And we just, uh, we, you know, kind of stuck it out through there semester um i came back after the summer and like got a job and just started doing the band thing um we got a house and um i lived in a house across the park so we had a house two houses on the same street but a park in between us and uh we just did that for a year or two and stuck around in bloomington for a while um just sort of building it figuring out what we wanted it to be and um built a following kind of cult following out of the town. And, um, eventually we were able to take that to Chicago. Um, we just wanted to be in a bigger place, but we wanted to stay in the Midwest cause that was where we kind of rooted everything. Mm-hmm. And so in the process of that, um, and discovering management, um, we came across Randy Jackson discovered our music. No and way. So, yeah. That was pretty cool. Like, um, our manager had ties to him and he liked what he heard. So he actually came to see us in Bloomington, you know, play in Bloomington. And that was like a huge thing. Cause all these kids are like, Holy shit. Randy Jackson's. Yeah. Damn. That's wild. Yeah. Well, re- real quick. We, I just want to back up for a minute here. Yeah. I have a lot of quick, like kind of quick questions uh, about yeah. this. Cause this is a fascinating story. <laughs> um, yeah. Like for in the beginning though, I'm talking like, do you come from a musical household at all? Or like, how did you originally get into music? Um, yeah. So, you know, my whole family sings, you know, I've always sang since I was a little kid, you know, uh-huh. um, church and from church to choir, um, school choir. Like I've just, I've always sang, my brother sings, my mom sings, you know, my grandma sings. So um, I wouldn't say it's like a household of like professional singers, you right. know, but everyone sings and it's always been a part of our culture, you know, okay. our, our house. There's always been music. There was always playing. So from a very young age for me, like I always, I had like, I always, tell people like my mom got me like a little tape recorder with a microphone when for like Christmas when I was like two or, you know, something like one or two years wow. old. And I used to like just 
sing into this thing. And like, I had my own radio show once I could kind of get words out, it became my radio show. And I would, <laughs> you know, sing along to the actual radio, but like have, you know, my own TV show and sing along to these songs, you know, um, Bell Biv DeVoe, New Edition, Bobby Brown, like Stevie Wonder, like those are the things that like I grew up on. So, um, yeah, that was the stuff that I was always singing and it just kind of always followed me. You know, I've always played sports and always did music. And those are the two things that kind of kept my life grounded and kept me moving and kept me motivated. Sure. Um, did you do uh, abandoned high school or anything like that? I mean, it sounds like you're in so the, um, I did a lot of choir and mm -hmm. school choir. Um, I didn't, I had one band with my good buddy who I still, you know, write music with. His name is Peter Terry. He's one of my best friends and um, um, just a f fantastic songwriter. Uh, and we had a little high school band, which was fun that we did for a little bit. And we had a third member of that band who actually randomly was the bass player of the, of the main squeeze for a little bit. So that no was, way. yeah. So that was kind of funny, but did you get um, him in the band? Like, uh, no, he was in the, in the band before I got in. So yeah, oh, wow. play, they had a different bass player and that bass player was in my first college band. So like, I knew the bass player and I knew Smiley and I was okay. like, oh, okay, that's pretty tight. They like found each other and that's cool. Mm -hmm. And it turned out he wasn't the bass player. He was just filling in. And the actual bass player was this kid I was in in a band with in high school no and way so yeah that was like really random and he was in the band for like two months and then they actually you know had a fallen out and well not a fallen out you know they kicked him out or whatever <laughs> that was kind of cool um not cool but yeah you know it was it was a funny thing really funny because sure. the first time i rehearsed with the squeeze he wasn't there so oh. like we rehearsed. I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. I call my buddy Pete. It's like, yo, like we're supposed to move to Chicago together. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like, I just want to let you know, I rehearsed with this band really tight. Might be what I'm looking for kind of thing. And he was like, that's dope. Like, just give it some time or whatever. It's like, cool. Come back like two days later for another rehearsal. And Ray is there, this kid. And I called Pete after the rehearsal. I'm like, you're never going to guess who's the bass player in this band. And he's like, who? And I was like, Ray. He's like, what? Like, so, <laughs> you know, just random how the world works. But yeah. Wow. Okay. So you go to, to, to college. Were you going for music? Yeah. Or something totally music, different? Oh, music, okay. Music and business. Okay. Um, that's what I ended up doing. But uh, I started as classical voice and audio recording. And um, just because I wanted to learn different sides of it, you know. Um, but I did classical voice for two years, and I was like, "If this is not what I want to be doing," um, mm -hmm. at the time, our our classical vocal classical program in IU is second to none, like especially the grad program, top of the top. Um, but but they didn't have a vocal jazz program, and. If I probably would have had something like that, I probably would have been more interested. But for me, it came down to like, I don't want to be doing operas for a living. <laughs> like, right. no, you know, no offense to it's 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 amazing. And um, 
super challenging and in in the best way and just those singers are just top 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 of the top but for me it was just like i don't love this enough to want to do this for my life so um yeah just focused it differently and um yeah worked out yeah so then when you finish up school that's when you got the job with the cruise line exactly and were you just like going up there doing covers for yeah group i got to pick um just traveled that must have been awesome though, just to be on the community. boat. Yeah, check out a bunch of different places. Yeah, man. I had a really cool route and I got to pick it. And um, so I was in, up in Alaska for a little bit, and then I did Central America, and then I did South America. So like really cool route, unbelievable experience. Like um ultimately I didn't really like the cover thing, you know, if I could have done my own thing. Um it might have been more enticing, but for me, it was like, this is cool, but this isn't what I want to be doing for life. But it was an unbelievable experience. Yeah. And, you know, a couple times a year, if I can go back and work, I'm, I'm down for it, you know? Sure. So the main squeeze was more appealing because you could actually write your own music. Yeah. I mean, when I got off the boat, my goal was to be back writing my own, writing my own music and getting with a band that we could grow and a, you know, uh, a, a family with. And so it was kind of a situation where we, um, I was looking for a band, they were looking for a singer and we, you know, it worked and we grew it, we grew it from nothing together. Um, really nothing (laughs) planted those seeds. I mean, you know, smile even says, you know, we started in 09, but like he considers the band started in 10 when I got there and, just the seriousness of like take making it a band and really like building a business and, and not just, you know, making music. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cause then when you guys were, the band started, you said you lived across the park from each other. Or at least yeah, the whole band we've always did. had a band house. Yeah. We've yeah. Always, always had a house to operate out of even now in LA. It's funny, like years and years later, um, we've always had a house. Um, it was always important to us to just have a place to um, be able to rehearse, be able to like central to create, central to get stuff done, and so that always manifested in a in a, in a central, you know, a house, at least a house. Chicago became more like three houses, and we just kind of worked between them, but the same idea, you know. Mm-hmm. And we eventually moved out to Los Angeles. We had a house um, that was very good to us for the first, you know, five years that we were here. Wow. When you moved to Chicago, that's when you, uh, you said got, you got management and you were able to get uh, yeah, yeah. at the show and all that. Yeah. Was, when you moved to Chicago, was it, did you have any connections there or you just knew like, okay, this is a big city still in the Midwest. Um, Let's see if we can. So when we decided to move there, we were already playing shows there. Okay. So you had Um, some sort of cred in the the city. I wouldn't say cred, but you know, there were people and we were, we had built up enough to where we could talk. We uh, we were selling enough tickets that we felt comfortable um, that we could make it a hub. Um, Got it. But it wasn't about, uh, it was mostly just like, being in the Midwest and still being anchored to, you know, our fan bases that we had kind of sort of started. Um, that's why we went there. Chicago was the biggest city that was like Midwest 
music located. We knew we had, you know, some fans in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, a big Chicago following from school helped. And then you, you, you know, you gravitate that with the people in the city. So it's like, you know, it, it was easy to kind of uh, move the needle there a little bit mm-hmm. quicker than maybe a Nashville or Austin. Or, mm-hmm. um, we had looked at L.A., but at the time, it just seemed a little overwhelming to just leave everything. Right. And... um. In hindsight, maybe we would have, but we were also had a good following in New York City, too. Mm-hmm. So our, our like we had anchors. It was more like filling in the spots like we could play from Indy to Chicago to New York to Florida. And so it was like more filling in the blanks versus like, oh, how do we get a show in New York or how do we get a, you know, right. Like our markets. Ran, like because of connections and because of growth and because of you know different friends and the way we built it our markets made sense for us to kind of stay that way and just kind of build in between it got it okay yeah. that makes a lot of sense yeah. so once you get to was the first kind of big moment for you all when randy jackson showed up to that show yeah i would say um well our first big moment was um, we won an international blues and jazz competition out in Macau, China, which was oh wow, hilarious. Okay. Yes. Um, How did you even get involved in that? And did you fly to China? To we do, did. To yeah. Damn. Um, so like a friend of our, well, our drummer, Ruben, um, he kind of did um, cruise ship stuff, but he also did um, like hotel overseas type hotel gigs. Mm-hmm. And one of his friends from that gig was doing a gig very similar to that in Macau, China, which is like the Vegas of China. Okay. Vegas, picture Vegas, but like five times bigger. Same <laughs> okay. stuff, but just like huge. Massive. Got yeah. It. Um, and so, yeah, um, he was a drummer working in this hotel and they were, the hotel was ho- wanted to do this music competition, international blues and jazz competition. And they were getting bands in. And this guy who was the drummer on this gig was basically like sent Ruben this thing was like, yo, like the bands that are auditioning, like, I think you guys would kill it. Like you should just like check this out. And so Ruben entered us into it on that recommendation. And so we went, they took like a band from like, like different countries they didn't take like it was maybe we might have been the only american band it might have been two american bands you know mm-hmm. a band from brazil a band from taiwan a band from you know wherever so we played this competition um they flew us out they put us up in these really you know just it was lavish weekend it was like 12 ba- 12 bands two rounds and we won the competition which they gave us like I don't know. It was like 250,000 HKD, but it was like really like 30,000 or whatever, 32,000 or dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Um, And put us a solid win. (laughs) It paid for our first album, the album that Randy eventually heard and Uh came, you know, so all that stuff was kind of happening 
those are our like all these moments were kind of just happening all at the same time. Wow. Um, so yeah, that was our really big moment. And then we kind of slid into um Randy kind of hearing the music after the album was done and him coming down to see us in Bloomington and being like, Hey, like I just want to work, you know, I believe in you guys. I don't want to change it. And so we, you know, we kind of did, we worked with him for a while, um, produced a project called mind your head. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we were kind of young and naive at the time and just on some like, you know, let's, we've been working on these songs for a while. We just want to get out the next album versus like, let's create something, you know, this is our one opportunity to do something great kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so he helped you guys with that. Cause you put another album out right before that one, your yeah. self-titled album. Yeah. We put out the self-titled album first and then mind your head. We did with him. Okay. Yeah. So what was the difference between working with him or versus doing just the first two kind of on your own? Um, Rainy was really the first person that we really started diving into the song writing process with for us with that was not um even though we had a place we always we played a lot of shows so a lot of our music even when we worked out a hook that we felt good about or maybe just a verse hook we would go work those songs out live that was just how we did it Mm -hmm. um we played a lot and that was the way that we you know was easy for us to like go through a part and be like oh the audience wasn't really feeling that like cut it you know, like it was that yeah. was when we wrote songs together. You're kind of getting feel, feedback like from your feedback. crowd. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. You know, they would let us know. And so it was it was a cool way of us doing that. Um, and we have a lot of like ideas out of that that we would go back and we could kind of rework and figure that out. Um, Randy with Randy, it was the first time that we ever really dove into like the cre- like the LA. I wouldn't say the LA, but the true songwriting process of like, you know, really sitting here and like, what do you want this chord progression to be? What do we, you know, how we want to sing this whole melody out and feel good about it and then put words, you know, like just very structured mm-hmm. um, and not in a bad way. It was, it was enlightening to just go through that and see how people, um, do it out here. And um, it was the beginning of just us thinking about it, uh, wanting to to just write better songs and become better songwriters. And so, you know, definitely love him for that and still able to like send him stuff. And what do you think about this? And it's cool that, you know, he'll get back or whatever. But um, the big, that was the biggest impact really was mm-hmm. just like, getting us to think about that and pushing us forward in that, um, in that mindset. Yeah. Did you guys move to LA at that point or how were you still living? So it was kind of in between. We were in, we were in Chicago and we were flying back and forth between Chicago winter and LA winter. Okay. And after doing that for a couple of times, I believe we were in Miami for fish. Um, we were playing a fish after party in Miami and it ended up being, like 81 there we drove back to go to work january you know like 15th in chicago and it was like negative 20 (laughs) kind of like this is going to be our last summer or last winter winter yeah it's time to move (laughs) and i like i love chicago it's my favorite like seriously unbiased i'm from indianapolis like i got no skin in the game my favorite city 
like yeah. love Chicago. Um, but in the winter, you know, when you want to be creative and you want to be with each other, working and downtime, working on a new album, like negative 20, 75 and sunny. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have to, <laughs> I don't, we don't need to move, right? but we will not be in Chicago for these three months. Like we can go rent a place or we can move or whatever. So ultimately we just, we decided to move and that's cool. Okay. Yeah. 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 When you guys went into uh, the without a sound album, was that a different, like, did you kind of take some of the stuff that Randy had worked with you on, on that prior record or was it yeah. back to like feeling yeah. the, the vibe out of the, the live shows or. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, without a sound was actually, you know, we that was the transition to us moving to LA. Um, So we moved from Chicago. We had just gotten Rob, who's now our he's been our longest tenured base. And I don't think Rob's going anywhere, but we (laughs) him up and he's the last the last bass player, the last new member that we've added. And then we moved to um, LA. We got the you know, the new squeeze house in LA and Smiley and I live in an apartment down the street and, uh, and we just cranked away for three weeks. You know, it was like, we're here, let's get to work, you know? And that was kind of the result of that. We partnered up with a friend of ours who was a good best friends with our, um, art guy at the time. And, um, we kind of just produced it all together and it was just kind of just like, Hey, we're here. We want to make music and show these people we're about, and, you know, be able to pitch it and just have something to stand on, which was awesome. Cause we got the music done, but it was like a crazy process because immediately after getting the music done, we left to tour because mm-hmm. we had to tour. That was how we were making our money and our livelihood. And sure. so it was a, just a, disastrous process of finishing it and going back and forth and multiple mixes and things. It it was just, it was crazy. So (laughs) yeah, it was our kind of like, we're thinking about the songwriting process more now we're working on trying to take those lessons that we took from Randy and like apply them in our own way Mm -hmm. and, you know, go to work. So that's what we did. And that was kind of the result of that. Um, it was fun. That was a beautiful experience. Um, but it's it's weird. Just I don't know. I, every year it's like growth for me. It's always like, can we make a project that's better than the last one? Can we show that we're you know improving our process and improving you know just just the business? And um, that was funny because we you know we just felt we were just we leveled up man we you know it's like man we had we still had so still have so far to go yeah um with i mean you mentioned you know finishing that record fairly quickly to to, or the album to get on the road and and play shows and that was your you know your livelihood um and with that like obviously the pandemic happens and then that like where were you guys at you put an album out last year but when it comes to being able to tour, you played like thousands of shows. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, for, that for a band that played 60 to a hundred shows for the, the first, you know, since we started touring, really touring. Mm-hmm. So that, at that point it was, we started in 12, I would say is when we really started touring. Um, 
you know, first six years, really, like, depending on that. Um, we're very blessed in that we took advantage of YouTube very mm -hmm. early as a band. Um, when I was in college, I had an acapella group called Straight No Chaser. Um, now it's a, you know, a, a world-renowned professional acapella group. But, like, at the time, no way. it was just a college acapella group. And so, like, I had viral videos through that, you know, through that group growing growing through school. Um, Ruben, our drummer, had own viral videos through YouTube. So it was very important to, to us from the very beginning to have YouTube as a platform for the band. Mm -hmm. And we used that platform to, when we first started as a band, obviously you don't have songs, right? So you're always learning covers. You're learning each other's favorite music just to like learn each other. Like what are right. you, like, what are you, you know, five different people, five different backgrounds. So obviously eclectic group of like songs that could go from, Hey, we could play a whole show of hip hop to let's do a whole, 80s dance party though let's do a 70s night or let's do a grateful dead or let's do mm -hmm. a you know hendrix let's do a stevie wonder like whatever we had enough of you know the talent to learn it the want to help to learn it from each other and like the love of the music to just dive in and that would create these diverse like college bar shows where you're just hearing all you know stuff that you want to hear and so when we started the YouTube channel, we started recording some of our favorite versions of these covers that we would do. Oh, okay. That was growing long before the pandemic. And mm -hmm. what we were striving to do, which we couldn't, we didn't really have the time to figure out, was I was, you know, contemplating with Ruben and the, and the band too, but like, how can we take this YouTube following because at that point we had like Michael Jackson video that went pretty viral. We had um, a couple Stevie Wonder things that went pretty viral. Papa was a Rolling Stone. A few just that were taken off. How can we turn this into a situation where we can get these people to, you know, come and watch us through YouTube? Like, is there a, a means of creating a live show that we could do maybe once every, you know, quarter or, you know, a year that we could get, this this group of people around the world who subsequently can't come to the states and we can't go to yet right. um, to see these shows world shuts down we finally have three weeks four weeks in a row where we can truly focus on bringing that to life and we did it in like three weeks like shit like ruben like really busted his ass trying to figure it out we had like we bought different things we were just really wanted to make sure that if we were going to do it we were going to do it right so that people on youtube could have a squeeze show and not like a non-squeeze you know not like right just jamming in a room like hear it as we're playing a show you know and we were super blessed that we did it the first time the world was shut down. People didn't know what was about to happen, you know, a month into this thing. And it provided a lot of life and light, you know, where, you know, where there was a lot of confusion and it really helped us. It was a moment for us to grow and shine all over the world. Cause YouTube is like that kind of place. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, eventually created a lot of opportunity 
for us. Um, at the same time, TikTok, I think, was taken off and our manager um, was really working that side. So like our digital world kind of all kind of came together in COVID, which was amazing for us. Um, and it was, you know, for us kind of godsend. I don't know where we would be with three straight more years of a hundred shows in a row, you know, like not in a bad way. Like we love it, but it was, it was cool to like reap the benefits of the fruits of that labor, you know, from years ago of mm-hmm. just like setting that up and, and making that algorithm go and getting these people in all these different countries to like follow us. So we took that time during COVID to play a- after it was kind of opening back up not to go out and play a hundred more shows to be strategic about, Hey, let's open up England as a market for us. Like we know that we believe that we can get X amount of people to come see us. We've seen it from our digital numbers that like we can sell tickets. So it's like, we've done that. We've done, you know, three sold out shows in London now and like, parlayed that into shows in the Spain and like trying to do that down in Brazil and, you know, just different things like that. So that's kind of where, you know, the focus is for us is like to continue to grow our artistry without um, trying to kill ourselves to go out and do it. You know, we want to make good lasting music. And I think a big part of that is just, having the time and the focus on it, you know, so much dependability on being um, in the jam world, you know, that's where we kind of came from. That's where, right. that's where we're rooted. So much of it is built on being live and playing live and playing live. And we love that. That's, you know, we can do that all day, but we want to make lasting music, you know, and mm-hmm. we want to, take the time to create that and then go out and play those 60s, hundred shows. Yeah. I mean, you guys were brilliant about starting YouTube early on. I mean, yeah. to have that leg up on everybody else. It was crazy, man. Huge. And, and we were definitely blessed in the um, understanding of what it could do for us. Right. But also blessed in that we've always, like I said, from the beginning, we've always had a house. We've always been together. So when the world shut down, we were together. You know, a lot of people had to, a lot of bands, you know, you went to your, you know, your house or your different city where you come, you know, you go do your own thing and then you meet back up with your band or whatever. We were within, you know, the furthest at the time was our bass player who was living down in San Diego. Nothing. That's where I'm from. That's awesome. How are you? Awesome. I recently moved to Nashville like two and a half years ago. But oh, cool. My mom lives in uh, Hendersonville. My mom. Uh, Oh no way. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, but yeah, you know, we were we were together. So when the world was, you know, trying to figure out how it was going to work, it was like we got a spot. We've set up a studio. We've got you know a means to film everything that we need to do, and we're not like exposing ourselves to anyone other than the group of people that we've been exposed to. Right. So, um, it was, it was, it was a blessing. It really was. And then, you know, we kind of parlayed that into a few cool opportunities. We got to play Monday night football. Um, yeah. Uh, open up for Monday night football. We like did a rendition of Monday night football for the, um, chargers Raiders game. 
Wow, that's um, massive. Yeah, that's SoFi. So the first year of SoFi, that was pretty cool. This is all, you know, kind of toppling over itself. Yeah. Because of the, you know, the COVID and the TikTok and the YouTube stuff. And, you know, we're not an L.A. band, but they wanted, you know, someone out here who could represent, you know, an L.A. band and, and, and you know, do something cool. So we, like, created our own arrangement for it. And um SoFi, I don't know if you know anything about the stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know, I was there when so, we lost the Chargers. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so when it um, you know, like with the lightning storms, like sometimes they'll have to postpone events there because of the weather sometimes. Yeah, well, yeah. The Chargers Raiders game, we're supposed to be you know, the TV slots are set for when ins and outs are going to happen right they have it kind of in was supposed to happen at like the second quarter or whatever like the start of the second quarter but a lightning storm at the game pushed everything back 30 minutes so the whole world watched our actual time slot which wasn't the second quarter time slot is just the time that's supposed to happen at the second quarter. Mm-hmm. So like, because the whole game was shifted over 30 minutes after the kickoff of the game, when everyone's paying attention to Monday night football, the first in was us doing Monday night football. Oh, wow. Like, that really 11, worked in your benefit. 11 oh million gosh. people saw it, you know, whereas like if the game was a blowout, which I believe they ended up being down like, the Raiders were down like three touchdowns or something in the first quarter. Like, Oh wow. People might not even watch the second quarter of that game, you know? So just yeah, you know, little stuff like that. Always just, 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 just highly favored, man. Just feel like we, you know, we, we you get a little bit of little victories along the way that just kind of help, help keep pushing you, pushing you down, pushing you down. Wow. Yeah. I mean, talk about a rivalry and, and a game to play. It's funny to me that the, I'm sure LA was so pissed that they got the Chargers and not the Raiders. Right. <laughs> oh Vegas man. Loves the Raiders. Oh, do they? Oh yeah. Okay. Cause love the Bay area and LA love the Raiders as yeah. well. <laughs> so yeah. when they went to, when they went to Vegas, I was like, oof. And then they took the Chargers. Yeah. And they were, they always didn't like the Chargers. So I thought that was interesting. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, the Raiders. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Those Raiders games out there get wild in Vegas because everyone just comes. They're like, let's just go to Vegas. You oh, know? yeah. You're getting everybody, right? I mean, all the people from L.A., from the right. Bay Area, and people that are already in Vegas. I mean, I would. Yeah, that's kind of a <laughs> that's insane. But um, yeah, so then you put out To Be Determined. That was the record or album you guys put out last year. And that was, you know, the pandemic had kind of cleared up at that point i would imagine yeah so you know what's funny is we have an album called one two three four five that's on Bandcamp, and there's an, it's between uh it's right before to be determined oh um, you just didn't put it up on like the yeah other we, we didn't put it up now. on spotify we didn't put it up on apple um, or it's kind of yeah it was so we put the record out during covid we had already had it done to uh release and we were going to mm-hmm. take it out on tour but we couldn't because of covid right um, our manager who we actually got like he 
those are the songs he listened to um, that eventually led us to him. Um, so when we were doing this during COVID, our, we ended up doing like one vinyl of the album, just one custom vinyl. And uh, someone bought it, I believe like twelve or $1,300 or something like that. So you and only pressed uh, one? Pressed one, yeah. <laughs> but the but the digital copies av- available on a Bandcamp, and it was just something just to try to do, just to, um, just taking money for the artist, you know, just like to see how that would go versus like trying to stream it on, um, on different stuff. Yeah, and actually, like it's hilarious that album has made more for us than any other album if like in terms of like sheer money in for the album versus revenues of streaming numbers you know song per song not even close interesting yeah wow so the next one might just go straight into banking you guys found something you know (laughs) we're gonna try to do something a little bigger (laughs) <laughs> yeah. it was interesting it, and it's still cool because it's like it's kind of the secret album secret yeah album. you know like wow. it's don't ask don't tell but do ask you know do you know like yeah, right 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 let people know so it's cool well we like a lot of those love a lot of those songs so it's cool when we break them out um when people are like oh yeah, I know that one's off of this album. And that's the one, two, three, four, five album. So we'll check that out. And then, so what happened was we released that during COVID as kind of like a, we, when we did the one vinyl press, mm-hmm. we also did like a donate, whatever, $20. And it came with the digital copy and we send you a thank you note or whatever. Right. That's how we got that out to our like YouTube subscribers and stuff like that. Um, so we did that album and then while we were in COVID trying to figure out TikTok, we basically started doing improv, two minute to five minute improv songs. And that was just with our manager just filming us because he was really diving into the platform and really trying to figure it out. That led to like 15 or so ideas, 15 or 20 ideas that eventually became to be determined. Interesting. Yeah, wow. we kind of just took our time with, um, it was a different approach just as far as the songwriting process, just not think about it, let's just go see what we come up with, and then, or he might be like, here's a prompt of an idea, and just throw out an idea, and we just try to write a song to it, and like, so yeah, we did that for, you know, like a couple months like the ideas so we went to a place rented a place in northern Cal- central california mm-hmm. and just turned them into songs and how many of those did you do like i did, did you do more than thir- the 13 or 15 or whatever that made the album i think we did tw- 17 to 20 of them but what came okay. out was that those are the ones that we felt the best of. we took the ones that we liked the most Got it. That's awesome. Yeah. And 
And so with like, are you guys working on a new album now? I mean, you, yeah, I love yeah, the yeah. fact that you guys do albums, right? I mean, yeah, a lot of people yeah. just do like a single and then it'll be. A oh, single. no, we're old school in that regards. Like, yeah. I'm one of those people just personally, like I listen to a whole project. Like to uh-huh. me, it takes the time to pour their heart and soul into like 45 minutes or 35 minutes or an hour's worth of music. Like I'm going to give them the due diligence of like taking it down for that. And a lot of people think like, Oh, deep cuts and all that stuff. But like, to me, I just feel like it's all a part of like them, you know, it's, it's a picture, it's a glimpse of time. It's a picture. And I just like want to examine the picture. Um, I'm not a big playlist person unless I'm like throwing back like some nineties or something like that, you know, but I'm not a big playlist person. I like to listen to albums. Me either. So like it, I want to make albums. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I love that. And I, Cause I always say like, I came from radio and I thought it's cool that like, you know, why is, you know, Sunday morning song seven versus, you know, mood grape. You know, it's like one of those things where you have to spend the time. I'm sure it takes a great deal of time to just right. lay it out so the whole album is like cohesive feels good yeah you know, it's a story it feels good you know even if they're you know might not be attached in some way they are they intertwine. right and like you know i'm trying to perfect the beauty in that you know like i'm trying to get better at that and like you know um just very excited about the direction of the music and um i think you know, for us, we never put boundaries on it. Um, we just want to make stuff that makes us feel good. And like at the end of the day, like if we feel good about it, then we feel good about giving it away. And um, as we continue to grow, I think we're, we'll, we're still honing in. It's so funny, like even with To Be Determined, which I think is, you know, shown up as a better even more improved songwriting. Like we're still growing and we're still getting better and we're still figuring out, you know, exactly what it's going to look like for, you know, years to come. And like that excites me and um, yeah, just stoked right now. We're working on this project and I think we have right now, like we started with like 20 ideas and just scrapped them. Like it was just like, no one's feeling this. It doesn't feel right. Like, let's just, rethink the process and like let's just start over and we did and now we have you know like 15 songs that i feel really great about like they're maybe not fully done yet but like we've moved we've created a world that we feel good about and now going forward for this project we have a world that we can be in and like that inspires me more than anything. That's the stuff that moves me. It's like, I'm not mm-hmm. worried about other people or what they want the next album to be, or, you know, the, the idea of anything other than like, we're working on our growth and, and getting better with our, our product and, 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 and our mindset and what we can control. I love it, man. Well, I appreciate your time today, Corey. Thank you so much for yeah, man. for hanging out. This has been great. Um, I have one more question for you before I let you go. Sure. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yeah. Um, just don't be uh, be determined. I know it's kind of funny to, you know, <laughs> to be determined, but um, just don't let people put limits on what you can do or want to do as an artist. I think the number one thing you can be is original and yourself. 
And um, it's something that I'm practicing every day is just being vulnerable and being truthful in your story. Um, I think people, that's what people most relate to. And like, as long as you're doing that, like it'll take care of itself. So, you know, don't get discouraged and know that like, if you really want to do it, like it's not easy, but it can be done.